0: When Tim brought it up just you know when you have the when you have the gospel you have the gospel's producing something right it's you're, you're hoping the gospel brings about something and uh, and then when there's that thing that you have there's an obstacle that can get in the way of it and as I began to think about it this really was a massive topic for me as I've journeyed along in my walk with the Lord I'm just going to start with a story um, I'll kind of I'll back up a little bit. I know uh, D.G., that's what I call David Gordon for short, DG. He was sharing a little bit of his testimony, and I loved it, and so I'll start a little, with a little bit of my testimony. But I grew up in my basically I grew up Baptist, turned into charismania, down the road, so I became Baptisttecostal, and uh, we, we got a witness over here. And, uh, and so in the midst of all of that, it, a lot of my Christianity, a lot of my gospel was very disjointed. It became disjointed and um, dysfunctional. That's probably another really good word. And I was really good. I'm a very charismatic guy. So some of you guys here are like, yeah, Rich is crazy. You know, <laughs> Jumping all over the place. Very charismatic. But in that, um, in the gospel that I carried, I could be very charismatic, but also, um, also be able to hide what I lacked and what I didn't know, right? Because I was charismatic. I, I could slither. I was a really good snake around different things. So I led ministries even houses of prayer, and and had a really, really off gospel. And um, so the Lord came barreling through with the grain bin, as DG's called it, and that's what we call it here. And uh, it was before we even had the grain bin, before DTN, and I worked through the Biblical Theology of Mission course, which I've highlighted already on the website, and just got obliterated by the Lord, just the scriptures, just drilling through them. Biblical Theology of Mission, Biblical Praxis of Mission, and the problem was is that i was in the midst of ministry so i'm in the midst of doing a job at this college it's a bible college a missionary college and i'm busy i'm good at being busy i'm good at getting stuff done and doing like eight things at the same time like five five to eight hats i was always wearing a million hats and uh and so as i'm getting wrecked on the inside i'm not able to apply personally apply a lot of things because i was just so busy and trying to hold up all the things. Trying to build Richie's little empire, right? The Nimrod Syndrome is what I call it. Trying to build my build a name for myself. But in the inside, like, the Lord's just really ripping me apart. So anyway, to make a long story short, the Lord eventually removed me from that position. And allowed me to humble my heart, like David just talked about. And uh, shortly thereafter, met this incredible man that provoked me a ton by the name of Tim Miller. And uh, he showed up on Bethany's campus shortly after... All of that happened, and um, and so so after that, I we ended up our family lived with the Miller family in two different scenarios, two different houses, and uh, man, that was crazy fun, good times, and uh, we we love we love the Miller family, very very close to them, and my wife is so thankful to be here and get to hang with Emily Miller and all the kids love each other and. And so in the midst of that first season, the first house was in Duluth, Minnesota. We lived in this big Victorian house, hardwood floors. We would pray throughout the week. So we have these times in the, in the basement there's three levels. So I got pretty skinny through that season because I lived on the third level. I was going up and down. And, um, but we'd have this time in the basement level where we would just pray and have time of prophecy for each other, encouragement, strengthen each other in the gospel. So my gospel had been radically taken from this dysfunctional gospel to just this streamlined for the first time clarity as David talked about right just needing clarity in the gospel the Lord was just clarifying the gospel to me and the Lord spoke to me and my wife and uh it was awesome Tim and Emily we just prophesy over each other in the midst of this the Lord really spoke to us multiple places so we I remember the Lord spoke to us one place we're like all right maybe we're supposed to go there and then we had the next week we had a time of prophecy and the Lord spoke another place we're like Lord, weren't we supposed to go there? Like, what What about this? You know, next week another place came up. What in the world? So long and short of it is is we finally realized that we were supposed to get some type of RV or travel trailer and travel to these places. And so had no idea how to do that. Didn't grow up with any RVs. My parents love staying at home. Hey, Mom and Dad, if you're listening. Um, so I, I didn't grow up with any of that stuff. So it's like, you know, that's, that's a big learning curve, going to the RV world. But but we were, able to, we were able to borrow a travel trailer from a friend of ours, this horrible old travel trailer. Uh, but it was awesome. I'm so thankful. Thank you, Ken, for letting us borrow that. And, uh, and we began to travel. And we traveled from place to place. We just prayed, heard from the Lord as to which of these eight places the Lord had spoken to us ultimately. Which one to go to first, which one to go second, third. And we just traveled to all eight of these places with our travel trailer. And each place we would land and be like, Lord, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to minister? And just praying and listening. And uh, and so there's a lot of stories that could come from that. But the bottom line is, is at the end of that, we knew. So we're coming to the end of it. It's pretty exhausting. You know, you're you're traveling from place to place with three kids. When we would drive thousands of miles, we had three kids. I mean, we, we have our truck here. It's the same truck we pulled our trailer with. We've actually had two trailers now. And so just traveling thousands of miles, you're exhausted. So at the end, we're like, Lord, where do you want us to land after we reach the eighth place? And so very clearly we knew we were supposed to go to Kansas City and land at International House of Prayer in that area right there. So we had this expectation in our hearts, this is going to be a time of rest after such a intense time on the road. Like the Lord taught us a lot. Really it was a time of crucifixion. Like the Lord just nailed us to the cross, really, during those eight. We're like, we're going to go and minister to the world, you know, the United States and the Lord's like, oh, I'm going to crucify you, you know. And that's what he did, you know. We still did some ministry, but he definitely crucified us. And uh, and so that's that's a whole other story of just expectations that were in our hearts, that the Lord had to really deal with us and deal with these different things that came up in us. But I specifically want to focus on this because it, it, it just climaxed. So we're like, we're going through this intensity. We're going to land in Kansas City, and we're going to breathe out and rest, you know, for— Two or three months. By the way, my wife got pregnant right as we started on the road. So she's like, you know, seven months in. She's like having to grab to get in the truck. We have this big truck and trying to get in. All the things that come with that. So she's excited to land in Kansas City uh, to have this baby. So we land, and um, right away our housing fell through. So we we actually, it's a long story, but we, we had housing, and then we didn't. Literally right before night fell. So we were homeless right before night fell. I remember Grace, my wife just crying you know you just it, it's just kind of building um and uh and then following that we, we did find housing finally something came through um the housing we did find put my bike out on the on the deck the bike gets stolen right so it's just like you know little, little things like that's not that's not a big deal my bike i still haven't had one since so if you have a bike you're not using i'll take it um <laughs> And and so in the midst of that, so the bike was the first place, but we actually had to move to three different places. So everything we owned was in the back of our truck. We could fit everything we owned in the back of our truck. So every time we unpacked, we had to pack it all back up, right? So we're moving three times. Um my son, my oldest son from the road, just the stress of travel even uh got ultra constipated. So he we had to take him in, we're like, what's going on? It was a pretty intense ordeal for him. Um then we need health care, because we're supposed to have a baby, right? So we go, and we're trying to get health care to have this baby. We basically go into the office, and they deny us health care on the spot. And my wife is just, she's, she's glorious. She's going to get great reward in the age to come. But she just keeps pressing in and, and pressing into the sky. And finally we do, we, we get breakthrough. They take us back, and the Lord is is awesome and, uh, and gives us health care. We have the baby, which obviously is an intense process in the midst of this. But immediately following the baby, our son who had the constipation issues, his appendix ruptures. And so we, we think it's just, you know, stomach flu, really bad stomach flu. So for, for several days, you know, he has poisons in his abdomen, his cavity, and we're like, oh, it's a stomach flu. He'll be over it. We had friends visiting. so Oh, you know, just sleep, buddy, you know. And, and, uh, and so the long and short of it is is we finally take him in. he started to kind of go on the up, and he just dove again. We found out, he's like, you need to go right to the hospital right now, or we need to take an ambulance. You know, your son's in, in jeopardy. And so we did that in the hospital for seven days. We have a newborn baby. I'm living in the hospital with my son. My wife's with the baby and our other child. And uh, and then on top of that, it's the hottest summer on record in Kansas City that year. That was the hottest summer. On like, literally, you walk outside. You, I don't know if you guys feel it here in, in New York or New Jersey, but it's like, boom, it just hits you. And you walk outside, you're like, I want to go back in, you know. You just don't want to be outside at all, and, uh, and so after being in a small little trailer on the road, you know, then being stuck in the apartment because you can't really go play at a park. Your kids might die of dehydration or something. It's so all these warnings all the time, and uh, and so as soon as, I think it was the, Arden got home from his ruptured appendix ordeal in Kansas City. I think it was like two days later, Grace had mastitis, so she hits like 104 degree temperature, and uh, she's just, she's down and out. Not only that, we have to move, so our... Our deadline's coming up, right? We have to move out of the place we're in, the apartment we're in. So we're trying to figure out, Lord, do you want us to remain here? Do you want us to go somewhere else? So in the midst of all of this swirl, I mean, there's actually more things I could add. But in the midst of all of this swirl, just remember the expectation coming was a time of rest, right? It's a time of rest. But it was anything but a time of rest for us. But, But in the midst of it, our hope, our hope is... I, I think that we probably would have been in despair, to be generally honest. We, we we would have probably lost sight, all the different distractions and obstacles we were facing. But we are in the midst of a, a, a beautiful community in Kansas City. And so I, I truly, and my wife I, I think would agree, truly we can look back and look at that time as just this beautiful time. It's a beautiful season that we had there. And and it's almost like all those things that happened, all the trials and all the things those things you can have joy in the midst of those things if your hope is anchored in the correct place, if your expectation is in the proper place. Now we went there with probably an improper expectation, but the community we are involved with had the proper expectation. Continue to remind us. Continue to keep us focused and centered on that expectation. And so, so today as I share, I just I want to sh- I just want to share a little testimony in context of that. There's so many testimonies in our in our lives. Um, even even as a family, my wife um, went from be, having all of her sight to being partially blind. So my wife is partially blind. Happened literally overnight, like within a period of a month. And uh, I'm so thankful that shortly, that when that happened, my gospel was jacked up. It was not good. And her gospel was jacked up. It wasn't good. And there's all kinds of distortions that come, that can come when you face a trial, if your gospel is not locked in, if your hope is locked into this age, you will be disappointed. It will felt you will be you you'll be failed. You'll feel like God failed you. You will begin to shake your fist. You'll begin to deal with these things that come up. But I'm so thankful that as soon as that happened to her, it was right in the midst of us moving to a, a particular place, and that's where we received the teaching. That's where we received the teaching that just drilled through the scriptures and really clarified the gospel for us, and it has allowed us to walk through this season. Of her blindness and all the things that come with that, I'm just incredibly thankful. So, number one, let's let's dive in. Singular hope. I just felt like I'm I'm probably going to go through these pretty quick. Probably won't hit all the notes, but a singular hope. I really had to ask myself the question: What is something the gospel is trying to accomplish? It's a hope. It's God's trying to lock us into a hope that is beyond this age, and so so we need to lock into that. And if that hope changes, it's not good. And so. The singular hope something the gospel is trying to accomplish. I just put simple yet not so simple gospel. Most would define the term gospel as good news. That's what it is. However, not everyone agrees on the details of what that good news actually is. Good news brings an obvious expectation that you put a lot of faith in, right? So you have this good news and you put an expectation in it, right? And life choices are made on that expectation. What you do, how you use your finances, is made on that expectation, made on that hope that you have, that you're anchored in, right? How you live your life, the decisions you make, where you go, what you do. But what if the good news that you expected does not happen? What if it doesn't deliver? These are just simple questions we all just need to ask ourselves. What what happens? What does that do to the heart? How does it affect me in the everyday? Am I gonna be shaken? Am I on a sandy foundation? Am I on the rock? Is my hope on the Messiah, the rock, Jesus, the Messiah? Or is it on the sand? The hopes of this age. And what do those heart realities do to my daily life? So what I'm trying to do is lead us through a process. Because for me, I'm a lot like D.G. I love that I got to, I got to follow up David Gordon. He's like, Rich, I'm going to lather and you're going to shave. I'm lathering this morning. <laughs> I just love D.G. I'm like, yes, brother. Uh. But I love how he walks you through, Right? And just the walking through of like, so you have these expectations, and those expectations, they, they, they set you on a trajectory, right? And, and it does things to your heart when, when they do happen or don't happen. And then out of your heart comes a response. And you have to work through. And that, that's what I'm saying. My, my gospel was so dysfunctional. So I would remember I would just, you know, healing. And these subjects, these big subjects, I would just skirt around them or I'd say what the person wanted to hear. Because I really didn't have a solid gospel. I was just trying to please men a lot of times. And it affected the way I lived. So what can we expect of God in this age in light of the gospel? I think this is just a critical question. What, what can we expect of him in this age in light of the gospel? DG kind of hit on this. Clarity of the biblical gospel defines the expectation and then steers your faith. And out of that, this is basically re- re- summarizing what I said. Out of that, you make decisions and you live your life. With that clear, you actually become equipped to run the race successfully in this evil age of death. The default is to sojourn instead of put down roots in this age. The vision becomes clear and keeps you on track. So, so when you have a hope that is anchored in the age to come, guess what? You sojourn now, right? You're sojourning. You're like Abraham, right? You're kind of passing through this age to the next because your eyes are set on the next, right? Set your eyes on, on what's to come. When those are aligned with reality, you're actually equipped to run the race that you're actually running, okay? Hebrews 11, these all died in faith without having received the promises, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners, temporary residents on the earth, sojourning, I'm going to jump to first Peter one. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, by whom we have been conceived anew, because of his great mercy, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus the Messiah from the dead. An inheritance that will not fade away or decay, who through faith are being protected by the very power of God for a salvation set to be revealed at the when? At the end of the age. Salvation set to be revealed when? At the end of the age end of the age on account of which you rejoice even though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and heartache amidst trials of various kinds so that the authenticity of your faith far more precious than perishable gold though even though even with gold it is through fire that is purely that its purity is determined may be discovered resulting in praise and glory and honor when Jesus the Messiah is revealed the Messiah you love even though you haven't seen him in whom you are placing your faith Even though you don't see him now, and so rejoice with a joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving in return the the goal of your faith, your salvation. Man, this, I I have this somewhere else in my notes, but the anchoring of my salvation is so critical. This scripture I just worked through with my kids, I don't know, it's probably been a year now. Just kind of work through different books of the Bible. To be able to have joy, joy in the midst of trials. You you have to set your eyes like, like flint on that thing, on the hope, right? There are so many things in this age seeking to reset our hope and all these other things. But I'm telling you, as the end of the age approaches and trial comes and hardship is upon us, We have little trials now. Like what I just shared with you, little, right? If I can't have joy in these little daily things, somebody cuts me off on the road or whatever it is, there are so many things. If I can't have joy in that, man, I need to cry out. I need to cry out for the Holy Spirit to give me grace. Like the thing that's going to testify to those around us is having joy in the midst of the trials, Setting our eyes. Our eyes are so set. We have practiced and we're constantly doing. I, I have this somewhere else in my notes too, but we, we're not graduating from the gospel. Oh, I've graduated from the cross. I, you know, yeah, the end of the age, you know, it all work itself out, you know. But I, I just want to do something for the Lord now. Well, set your eyes on the prize and you will do something for the Lord. You will be a living witness because when trials come upon you, guess what? You will have joy. You'll be able to keep a smile. You'll be able to, it It hurts. It's a, it's a struggle. I'm not going to like completely it, it's a struggle. I've been through many, many struggles. But man, we can set our eyes on the prize. If we can if we can keep it real and not a fairy tale, right? Everyday things. I can check the news for 5 minutes and guess what? All of a sudden the day of the Lord is a fairy tale. Right? I go play a video game. All of a sudden, day of the Lord's not real. It's just yeah, I talk about it, but you know and the, the whole thing we've been talking about here, right, is living it. Like, when I live it, that's actually when the gospel penetrates the hearts. Like, people see the Holy Spirit's grace upon my life, and they're ministered to, convicted, provoked, and brought into, hopefully, the gospel of Christ crucified, and I see them at the day of the Lord. They're part of my inheritance. That, that's the joy. I want that. This life's about of vapor. We have to live for that. Our response to trials quickly reveal where our expectation is. Words are easily spoken, but faith's genuineness is revealed in the trials. Is our joy anchored in this present evil age and what it can give us and our comforts? Or is it anchored in what was promised long ago and yet to be revealed? Are we patient as we eagerly await the realization of the hope that will not disappoint? Or do we gaze at what gives me pleasure now and set our hope on that? I'm just... The thing in, in preparing for this session for me was like, the Lord's just like, ask a ton of questions. I'm don't have, I'm not i not going to answer all the questions, but I'm just asking the questions so that you can ask yourself the questions and hopefully let the Lord speak to you. Some may ask, what is so bad about setting our hope and faith on safety, comfort, and good things in the present? Potentially everything. It could end you in a lake of fire. I, I don't know how many times I've had people tell, like, People tell me this. As we've traveled, we've traveled all over the U.S. Hopefully, following this conference, I'll maybe make it to Maine. It's the last state I've never been to Maine. It's the only state I've never been to. So maybe we'll make it to Maine, right? But we have traveled a lot of miles. We have seen a lot of ministry models, right? DG was talking about the models. We've seen a lot of prayer sessions. We've seen a lot of this, a lot of that. We've seen a lot of believers. We've seen broken believers in in RV parks, right? We've seen totally lost people, all those things, But this this is one of those things, as as I begin to preach the gospel to to a lot of people, because you know, 90% of U.S. says they're Christian, it seems like, you know. Are you Christian? Yeah, I'm Christian, you know. But then their life doesn't model it, right? So as I'm preaching it, they're like, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? He does in the age to come, right? Doesn't he want me to have comfort and he wants to take care of me? Yes, he'll take care of you in the age to come. And he'll take care of you now through trials, (laughs) right, to get your heart ready so you can be with him, so you don't burn it like a lake of fire, right? You don't have to convince the depraved human heart to be self-preserving. It wants to do it. It wants to go that way. It's searching for excuses to justify that type of behavior. But when the Spirit seeks to lead you in a way that is, doesn't lean towards your self, self-preservation, will your heart be ready to listen and obey with simple devotion and faith? Right? The good news of the gospel is not self-preservation in this present evil age. It's not what the gospel is. That's not what the good news is. That expectation will leave many in terror at the day of the Lord. Right? What, what if the, I'm praying, oh God, Me and my wife are praying, and the Lord says, go and camp out in California. Just camp out for a few months. Right? The Lord tells us to do this, and provides housing thanks to a phone call from tim and we are kind of camping out with 36 goats you know about eight chickens and a bunch of. Them. we're stewarding this property and we have black widow spiders all over the trailer we're living in that has doesn't have any water or gas or anything but lord don't, don't you want me to enjoy this age like you would take care of me no the lord wants us to be a living witness in the midst of this evil age so that others come to the knowledge of him and we see them on that day Alright singular purpose I'm going to keep cruising here I'm going to probably cruise through this But I felt like I had to hit this The Holy Spirit giving grace to endure sojourn, sojourn Until the expectation is realized and We've all, t- all the things I'm talking about All the guys have touched on But I'm just kind of, I think it's good Like Tim says, we kind of hit it from different angles And it can, different guys' messages connect with different people The way they say it Second Corinthians 11 For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together In the pains of childbirth until now And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We're groaning, we're waiting for the day of our Messiah to return. That's the day of salvation. For in this hope, sorry, for in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience, with patience. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May he fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him and his message, that he's going to come and he's going to deliver us. He's going he's to restore all things, even though all you look around you and it's a mess. May you be filled with joy and peace because you're believing in him. You're setting your eyes forward. So you may overflow with hope by the Holy Spirit. This has been probably one of the most critical pieces of the puzzle for me. When I was so dysfunctional and disjointed, this was the thing that kind of locked in everything else was the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Because for me, when I was in my Baptist roots, the Holy Spirit just shows up at the end, right? Boop! And you're like waves and we all go up. In my charismania, the Holy Spirit came in and he would just like wave a magic wand like a fairy And it was like a cherry on the top. Woo! You know, get awesome times. And it was like, that's all the Holy Spirit did. It was like, you know, for the glory of God. You know, yeah, it is for his glory. But the Holy Spirit was given to us. I just want to make it really clear. The Holy Spirit was given to us so that we arrive at the day of the Lord right with him. And we are resurrected unto life. That's it. So he does it through healing, right? So he heals somebody. And the healing does what? It points everybody to the day when our bodies are raised from the dead and they're whole. It's saying, hey, don't forget. That day's coming where all things will be restored, and I'm going to restore your body too, so set your faith and hope there. Right? But then there's other times where the Holy Spirit leads you into the desert like he did Jesus to fast and be tempted. The Holy Spirit led Jesus. You know, like he leads you places to, to, chase, to buffet you and get you ready. Right? To deal with you. The Holy Spirit was given as a gift to get us to the end. Full of faith in the Messiah's coming. He strengthens us to live according to his coming. Is the Spirit who gives the grace needed to help us endure well. Follow the Spirit, not the flesh. I'm going to go ahead and skip that. That pretty much sums it up. Follow the Spirit. Don't follow your flesh. Right? Don't glory now. Don't comfort now. Don't put your hope in now. Basically it, put it in then. Number three, barriers to biblical hope. So obstacles keep our eyes from looking at the finish line, right? DG kind of hit on this. You got these obstacles. The, the, the Olympics, you got these hurdlers, right? And they're running, and they're jumping, they're, they're trying to jump. So they're trying to jump this hurdle and, and they're taking their eyes off of where? The the finish line, right? They got to focus here to jump the hurdle, right? So we we want to keep our eyes set on the finish line, do our best to do that. The obstacles to the gospel will always, always, always seek to set our sights on this age. Seek to set our sights on right now. Right here at our feet. Self-preserving, self-absorbed me mode. They'll, they'll seek to do that. This this next point, credit to Jeremy. I loved it. he was talking to me on Voxer and he's like, we can't treat the Bible as a buffet. Pick and choose what we like and don't like. Right? quickly leads to an unbiblical nearsighted hope we then shift our faith to that hope and lean into its expectation and ultimately it steers our life and our decisions and it leads us to unmet expectations man this is this is one of those the the things that helps us hurdle right is is having having biblical literacy not being biblically illiterate we can't just pop in and that's what I did for years and years and years and that's why I was so disjointed right I was just trying to make some cool ministry phrases so everybody could pat me on the back and go good job rich you know no don't do it don't use it as a buffet I would just kind of pluck scriptures and do whatever I want with them it's a sober thing the word that disappointment the disappointment that can come from these unmet expectations these false hopes that we we put we put our hope in can be dangerous obstacles to the gospel continue to go forth in that person's life. It hinders faith, and lack of faith does not end well at the day of the Lord. So I just want to say this. I've had I have so many situations I could talk about where individuals have children. Those children get cancer. Right? And there's a certain paradigm, there's a certain hope that they've heard from, from pulpits. And that hope disappointed them and you know what they want to do they want to shake their fist at god forget you god even though they walked 30 years of their life saying i i'm a disciple of jesus peace out god i don't want anything else to do with you you know why because their hope was set in the improper place it was set in now and guess what it didn't deliver now they were disappointed god can heal god will heal he does heal but sometimes he he doesn't he deals with our hearts because he knows he looks at each of us right hans Matt. he looks at us and he goes i know what will prepare hans best for the day of the lord i want him to be god is jealous to be with us on that day he wants us to be there he wants me to be there So he fights for us. He does whatever it takes for us to set our hope and our attention on that day and keep our hope in the proper place so that we don't get disappointed and turn from him. Oh, it grieves my heart. I've seen so many people that are believing in a false gospel. and They're being led astray down a broad road that might end them in a lake of fire you know how serious that is it's intense it should cause us to weep false gospel is not so good good news second corinthians 11 for i'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy because i have promised you in marriage to one husband to present a pure virgin to christ But I fear that, as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a complete and pure devotion to Christ. For if a person comes and preaches another Jesus whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit which you had not received, or a different gospel which you had not accepted, you put up up with it splendidly. Or let that not be us. Help us keep pure, simple devotion to you. When the hope shifts away from Jesus as the coming Messiah and creates a different Jesus that causes us to put faith in ourselves, making us our own Messiah, bringing the kingdom, we're in big trouble. It muddies the waters that simple devotion seeks to keep clear. I'm going to go ahead and jump to D, gospel graduation. The ongoing fads and trends of Western Christianity keep us on Satan's merry-go-round of disjointed Christianity and distant from the simple devotion of the gospel. Simple listening and obeying is replaced with busyness in the goods in the good things of God. Ministry visions replace the time that used to be given to a gospel centered lifestyle. Man, I used to be in that, that swirl where I give, do a whole retreat around ministry vision. We barely talk about the gospel, or not at all we need to talk around the word right it's just like getting the vision so we can be awesome the next best thing you know don't graduate from the gospel we we have to continue to preach it to each other i lose sight i need a tim miller in my life to live the gospel and preach it to me to rebuke me when the time comes rich set your hope again quit your complaining right oh set your hope rich keep it there. We got to continue to hear the gospel. It's so funny because for the longest time I graduated the gospel. I used to say that. Yeah, we well, are yeah, that's yeah, good. Jesus down the cross, you know, but man, we're we're maturing. Oh. No, like crucify us, Lord. Like keep us our eyes set to live like you live, Jesus. Keep our eyes set on the on the cross and the day of the Lord, cross and the day of the Lord. It's really simple. Cross and the day of the Lord. Keep us doing it. And E, the last one of the, the hurdles, the past and preconceived ideas. I really, I really could not do this teaching without putting this hurdle in there because I see it all the time. And it, it kind of feels like an oddball one, but I'm finding that God put us on the earth with other human beings. And all these human beings are all jacked up. They're messed up. They don't operate correctly. They have lots of past issues, lots of stuff. And, it's, and it can become a hurdle. These past issues can become a hurdle. These preconceived ideas. We need to love well. We need to forgive well. We need to be dead. We are dead people walking, right? We need to be dead to ourselves and alive in Christ. Galatians 2. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you are a Jew live like live like live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews so it's just that I just love in the gospel and in, in the midst of the word you have these little issues that come up these The real people dealing with real issues. All of us have pasts. Our past can carry some serious wounds. Past wounds that never formed into a scar and were never healed will remain a constant irritation under the surface. The tendency is to view everything through those hurts. And eventually it leads to massive inflammation and pain-filled outcry, outward cry. So, so you got these wounds, they're under the surface, they're kind of there, they're maybe underneath your shirt. They're still open, they're not healed there's no scarring. and then all of a sudden somebody brushes up against you right? Uh, uh, or they're brushing up against you every day. Uh, right When you live in community, you feel this right? It's like uh. and all of a sudden you're like, ugh. you know you just want to like scream. And when you scream, usually it comes out fear, anger, offense, retaliation, the list goes on. All the fruits of the simple nature really. That's what it comes down to. And, and I just, I, I say that because we we have, to, we have to lean in as we get clarity on the gospel of the Lord. So we lean into the Lord, he heals those wounds, right? Sometimes we don't want him to touch those wounds, though, so we steer around them in the midst of our pursuit of the Lord. So we have to let him heal those wounds. We've got to put him in the face and deal with these things. Because we're all dealing with each other. We want to walk in the body together in unity It's hard to do that with these, the the wounds. And where we love each other, we help mend the wounds of these brothers and sisters next to us. All right, hurdling the barriers. I'm going to go through these really quick. This is an obvious one. Study and know the gospel. DG already hit it. All right, point. There we go. We're past it. Okay, never graduate from the gospel, period. Romans 1, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Man, if we don't, We don't lean into the gospel like, we should constantly be leaning in. Lord, teach me more. Give me more. Related to the gospel. We need to keep leaning in. Study and know the gospel. B, cry out for grace from the Spirit often. And so the Spirit's given to us, as I said, to get us to the end, right before the Lord. And we need to cry out. We need to ask. Lord, give me grace. I do it all the time. With my kids. Lord, give me grace not to kill my child today. You know, like, ugh. Right? Like, we have to cry out and for the Lord's help. Give me grace. I do this all, like, this is all the time. A lot of times, I probably should say out loud more, just for my own, just to, like, let it sink deeper. But I do it a lot. Lord, give me grace. Give me grace to love. Give me grace to die to myself. See, give thanks. Give thanks to God. This is a big topic for anybody that knows me. It's a big topic of mine. Just to say it, forgetting is what what twisted the Israel's expectation. When you, if you ever, if you ever want to, just go, go to Deuteronomy, Numbers, and just, just, you know, put in forget, for, forgetfulness, forgetting, remembering. Put those words in there and just see how many times it's written in there. Everywhere. Israel, don't forget. Don't forget what I've spoken to you. remember. God's constantly saying that. What do they do? They forgot, <laughs> right, to the point where he's like, I'm going to rip open the earth and suck some of you in, right? And then he does that. Some of them die off. I mean, they get sucked in. And then literally, I think it's, it's like eight verses later, they're complaining again. Eight verses later. And we go, those Israelites. But guess what? How many times have we complain this morning? Give thanks. So when you give thanks, you're setting, you're setting your eyes back on what it needs to be on. If you set your eyes on the Lord, he'll point you to the day of the Lord. He's going to be like, keep your eyes set, right? Thanksgiving will eventually and inevitably shift your eyes to the cross and then onto the coming king and his throne in Jerusalem. Whereas he will be sitting. Thanksgiving can quickly reset the hope if it has become out of focus. So this is this is my number one go-to a lot of times. I cry out to the Holy Spirit. And then, I, Holy Spirit, give me something to be thankful for. What can I, the Lord can, he can dig me deep where I'm weeping by the end in the midst of Thanksgiving. And D, sing the scriptures. I'm just going to jump there. I, you know, some of you are like, ah, I just don't have the voice for it. I'm just not a singer, you know, whatever. Man, just sing the scriptures. They did it in, Is, you know, Israel's day, you know, back in the day in the Old Testament, sing the scriptures. I sing the scriptures with my kids all the time do it all the time. And I love it when we're driving down the road and all of a sudden they just are, they start singing this chorus in the back. They're just singing the word. It's like, yes, Lord. And it slaps me. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, like, it's like, yes, like, that's what we need as a family unit. Just as our personal families, we're a family union, right? We need to sing to each other even, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Cameron, go ahead and come on up. I just really wanted to invite Cameron up. It, the Lord really, yesterday, kind of spoke some things. And I just want him to share. This brother is a, a living example. And I know Cameron has failures. And, you know, I don't know what they are. But, you know, he, I'm sure he does. He'll say, ah, whatever. But but this guy, this brother, he's living this day to day, what I just talked about. He's he's hurtling. He's He's, he's keeping the expectation where it needs to be, and I've just been really humbled in getting to know him um, and, and just love him deeply. So I'm going to hand it off to you, brother. How long do I have? Let's go 10. Yeah. 10 to 15, 15. What do you guys think, 15? 15.
1: <laughs> we'll try. We'll try and get to it. We'll see what happens. Wow. So I knew I had this, and I, knew I only had 15, so I tried to jot down a quick outline, and then Richie hit all my points. It was awesome. I was like, "I'll just go to my outline and follow while he's going." So that was awesome. Um, where do I go with this, man? Uh, Proverbs thirteen twelve. Um, if you want to turn there, whatever. But uh, this one, I think, uh, it's probably where I want to look at. Proverbs thirteen twelve. I'll read it. Um, hope. We heard that that word a lot. Hope deferred. Hope that doesn't happen makes the heart sick. But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And we could get into the second part for sure. Well, I think we have to, but hope deferred. A hope that doesn't happen makes the heart sick. Quick testimony from my end. Um, came up, I came to the Lord through uh, because I had a wonderful mother and a great uh, kindergarten teacher who preached the gospel to me. And uh, I was very convicted, even at five years old, came to the Lord, was zealous. Then uh, as I got older, got into teenage years, started to drift a little bit, and uh, found myself addicted to the world, whatever. Uh, six. Let me back up. I had a diving accident that put me in this wheelchair five years ago. So This is before wheelchair. At 16, the Lord brings me to himself in a mighty way. Um, I was in the Baptist church, then ran into these... Uh, uh, messianic jews who were charismatic so i just got well-rounded i was like baptist and then charismatic messianic jews i'm like i don't know anything about all this but let's do it you know i'm that baptist that was cool but this is awesome so i'm in a synagogue and praying in tongues this is great so I, i'm you know you know i'm just uh, i'm i'm loving the lord so they're always pointing to the scriptures and that they're like on fire for god and um i just i was like lord i i love this zeal i want this so i get into the scriptures and and really start pursuing this relationship with the lord and my life has completely changed but and god is so merciful oh my gosh um what the these people became my spiritual parents and what they were bringing me up in was very much faith healing and you know The name it and claim it and those type things that if you have enough faith you'll be healed God is not one who wants anyone sick is it one is it one that he wants to bless us now it was all like Richie mentioned hope now this is before the wheelchair so I'm getting I mean I'm kind of teacher at heart in some ways so I get knowledge as like I get it. It's like, I, I want more knowledge. So I'm just feeding myself these things. I turn 18, just on fire for the Lord. I really was. Um, didn't have a whole paradigm of a lot of different, you know, church stuff. I just knew what I was taught and didn't know all the theological words of, you know, all this stuff. But I turn 18, and I'm like, Lord, I want to go into ministry. I don't know how. I don't know where you want me to do this at. Um, I was actually going to end up on Bethany campus because a college was dropped in my lap, but I never got to go. Packed for college. wanted to go into ministry. was leaving on a Monday, but the family decided, let's go on one more family vacation before Cameron goes off to college. So we go to a lake in North Carolina. I'm from North Carolina. And um, at this lake, day two of of the vacation, I have a diving accident. I break my neck. And I'm immediately completely paralyzed. Under the water, completely cognitive, but cannot swim up. What kicks in? What kicks in? You you automatically go to what you have your hope in. And I have my hope in the Lord. And I began to pray. And there's a lot of stuff that, that happened I could I could go into. But when I was pulled out of the water, I began calling on the name of the Lord for healing right there automatically, quoting healing scriptures. I'm healed in Jesus' name, all these things. And what what other response, really? I mean, you know, that's good. That's good. I think the Lord had that on my heart to do. And I received a lot of healing. But then as, the, as things continue on, it's like you apply that knowledge that you have of of faith healing and, and these things. You start applying it. And and for two years. God doesn't want me in a wheelchair. Two and a half years. That's your hope. That's your expectation. That's your gospel. I'm going to be healed. Because I have enough faith. But what happens if. You never get beyond that point. If that's where your hope stays. But you don't come out of the wheelchair. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So what does God in his mercy do? Because guys, we're not, these guys aren't just in here just yelling at you. You need to change your hope because you're bad people. We are all bad people. But you need to change your hope because a hope deferred makes the heart sick. And land you in a lake of fire along with it. Guys, these messages are so merciful. And I tell you this from one who's in a wheelchair and saying, look, hope deferred will make your heart sick. So in his mercy, God has put you in this room over the past couple days to say, move your hope from you're going to have a good retirement. And the American dream, move your hope from that to the gospel, the good news. And, and as Caleb shared yesterday, what is the good news? It's the restoration of all things. What, what other news is there that's good? So just enter into a logic with me for a second. If my stability and hope and expectation is Man, I'm going to have a great day tomorrow. Everything's going to go right. I'm going to get retirement. If that's the, the picture that I've got. That's what I'm striving towards. And everything that I'm doing is putting my energy towards that retirement or that college education or that great day tomorrow. Yeah. And then it doesn't happen. It's like all this wasted time and energy And all this hope and expectation and desire, it's, it was pointless. And I'm sick. Or, my hope is set fully on the grace that is to be revealed to me, or the grace that is to come at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, my hope is set entirely on the coming of the Lord Jesus. Then, I could not get the retirement or I could not get out of the wheelchair and I'm not I don't fall away from the Lord and I don't go commit suicide and I don't go and whatever hope deferred will make the heart sick gosh that's much more I want to say but I feel like Richie hit it very faithfully let me, uh, let me do one last thing I just want to read a couple of things that the Lord put on my heart. Are we, are we good? Okay. I want to change something from just okay. I'm ready for I'm ready for suffering. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. It's not just a prepare your mind for action. That's that's part of it. Prepare your mind for action because it's coming. I want to move it beyond just that though to a Rejoice in suffering. So hope is a picture of a future reality that you desire to come to pass. Like I want this thing in the future to come to pass. And if I have faith in that picture, you begin to work towards that desired picture. Okay. So if the picture that you desire is a grand resurrection. A grand resurrection. Then. And then Jesus comes along and says look. The more you suffer the more grand your resurrection is going to be. Then I suffer. I'm like. Woo. Does that make sense? It's my desired picture. That I want to happen. Is a grand resurrection. So I can bear the cross. With joy because I know that, oh, man. But if my desire is just retirement, then I, the bearing of the cross, I'm not going to enjoy. But then also, it's not just grand resurrection. That, that, that's got to be our, our, our anchor. But then it moves into the fact that I'm bearing a cross, and who else did? My Savior. Uh, Philippians one twenty seven through 29. I'm going to read it. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live as if I want a grander resurrection. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of their destruction. with The sign of a destruction for them. But salvation for you. And that too from God. And this part. Let me, just, let me just stir you up to this for a second. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake. Not only to believe in him. But also to suffer for his sake. It's been granted to us. To be like Jesus. And as I meditate on his scarred face. I can say Lord. I love him. I want his scars. I love him. Let me read one paragraph, uh, and then I'll stop. Um, I won't tell you who wrote this, but uh, it—it just—it speaks to me a lot. Just tune in. It's a little bit long, but not too long. Try and read it really charismatically. There is a mystery hidden from the beginning of the ages. This mystery is a narrow road and few find it. Had the rulers of this age known this mystery, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. This mystery, when walked out, looks like a man who found a treasure in a field so wonderful that he buried the treasure again and sold all that he had and bought that field where the treasure was. It's like a man who found a pearl of such great worth that he sold all that he had in life to be able to obtain that pearl. When spoken about, this mystery is not understood by some. By others, it's received with joy. But then turned away from when the mystery actually begins to happen. Some don't walk in the mystery because of the cares of this life. Or the deception that riches in this life are worth anything. Or they desire other things above what this mystery leads to. Some, however, hear the word of the kingdom and understand. And by God's grace, bear fruit unto eternal life. What is this mystery? It is that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. That's the mystery. God has promised us a kingdom. That's what we've been talking about for two days. God has promised us a kingdom to come. And the King Jesus who will reign forever. Will be covered in scars. Will you? Will you?
0: Bless you guys. Awesome let's pray. Lord I just. God we commit. We commit ourselves to you. Lord we want to be raised on that day with scars just like you Lord we want to endure well Holy Spirit we ask right now that you come and give us grace Lord I thank you for the example of Cameron that every day he suffers in ways that we cannot even imagine all the little things God that he has to go through we take for granted Lord Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we would suffer well, God. Let us be an example to each other. Let us provoke each other. Keep our hearts from complaints. Lord, keep my heart from complaints. Forgive me, Lord. Set our eyes on your cross. The example you gave us, God, and we set our eyes, Lord, set them. On the day that is coming, our glorious inheritance. Jesus' name.